Thank you so much, dancers, and Nate for sharing scripture with us. We have an opportunity this morning to hear from a number and, and to see a number of ways in which our confirmands are sharing their gifts in leading us in worship. And next, we have a special treat in that vein. Uh, Will Biasi is going to be joining us from all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to share with us some of the ways that the Holy Spirit has been working in his life. And it's a beautiful thing, this, in the midst of this pandemic and all of the craziness, that Will was able to participate with our confirmands, be a part of our confirmation uh, this full year because of Zoom and, and other technologies that allow for such a thing. And so we're just blessed to, to take advantage of, of that and to be able to hear from Will this morning about how the Spirit has been working in his life. And so I invite you to, to hear from Will Biasi now. I'm the son of two pastors, so it's safe to say I've grown up in the church. For a lot of my early childhood, I went to Boone UMC, and I don't really remember my family's time in Chicago or Durham. But until 2015, when I was around seven or eight, I spent my time in church either listening to my parents' sermons or in Sunday school. In the middle of 2015, however, my family moved to Vancouver and this was a huge change. It was the first big move I remember, and by that time we were very comfortable in Boone. The first half a year was rough. The school wasn't what we expected, the house was small, and there was a fair bit of tears, snot, and nostalgia all wrapped up in this ugly knot. Then we moved houses and schools, and things got better. School became more familiar, we moved closer to the heart of Vancouver, so closer to our church, and were more situated. God was working. Fast forward some years, and we moved houses to another spot in Vancouver, went on a six-month sabbatical in England, and moved back to yet another house, where we are settled in now, in Port Moody, one of the suburbs. Today, I'm 13, about six years after that first move to Vancouver. And this past year has been a little bit of a turning point in my faith journey. My faith, you could say, is becoming my own. I was never opposed or even very uninterested in the church. From someone who still loves singing and acting today, it was through the church that I had my very first play and my first singing role. And I really enjoyed the community and hearing some great sermons. But the actual faith, my personal relationship with Jesus wasn't very present in the mind of a seven-year-old. Today, I'm in an alpha course, immersed in my youth program, and in part of an international confirmation. This is the time when my journey with Christ has become the path that I want to take, truly, wholeheartedly, and always there to come back to when I stray. This is what I've noticed along the way, each time, I got further and further away from what's comfortable or from where my faith is secure and shared by everyone. My faith blossoms. First, I moved to another country, away from Boone Church, the town, and the school, to a secular city where our houses and churches alike are always moving. Then, to another continent, and now to a philosophy-based high school program where the biggest theme is to always keep questioning. Now let's get this clear. I love this program, and I don't feel any need to guard myself from doubts or expanding boundaries. But my faith is almost like a living thing in me, growing and growing where it shouldn't be, while watching a world where the same thing is happening everywhere, 
if we can see. The point is, confirmation has been like a spiritual nudge. It is teaching me to trust, to jump into the strange world we call Christianity, and to dive into its waters. They are deep, but cleansing all the same. And now, in my life, I'm starting to see the light gleaming through. We are in Pentecost season, and just like the tongues of fire descending onto the disciples and acts, the Holy Spirit has been guiding me through my journey and is with us all as we decide whether we wish to take the gift of a life in Christ that has been offered to us. Not only that, but it is with the whole church as we go through this pandemic season, which we've already been going through for so long. My life and my journey after confirmation is filled with whatever God has for me after all that's happened so far. And the church and the world, although in a difficult time, has weathered hardship before. God and the Spirit never stop moving. Though our journey may seem overcast with the coldness of the night, God's presence comes and guides us like a warming, mysterious, and raging fire to blaze in all our hearts. Amen. Thank you so much, Will, for sharing. I, you may have seen Janet carrying the iPad around. Will is joining us live on the, on the live stream, and he's here in a part of our service as well. And so just grateful um, for technology and grateful for your witness, Will. Thank you. God bless you. So yesterday, I took advantage of the great weather, like many of you might have done as well. And I decided that it was time to go outside and clear off all the stuff that had fallen down from the trees over the last like couple of months, right? Actually, in truth, um, over the last, uh, when was the last time I did that? I guess probably October or something like that. It was time. It was time. So I went and I got out my leaf blower, which is, an, it's a, it was a gift from my mother-in-law. Thank you, Kathy, if you're watching. It was about five years ago. Um, she got me this, this leaf blower, and it's an electric one, and it's wonderful. It works great. You plug it in, and I've got this long extension cord, and I can go and blow off all the leaves and the pollen and the dust and all this. I sneezed for like four hours after I was done, um, which was awesome. But I, I, I was able to eventually, it took a while, but I was able to eventually clear off everything from the deck, everything from, um, the, from, the, from the driveway, and things started to look good again. But I got to confess, as I was doing that, um, I had, it was a bit of a challenge because I had this electric leaf blower, and it has power. It's obviously connected to the cord, and I can blow the leaves and everything off, but it didn't always like, get everything out right away. And I'd have to sit there and just kind of wait and wait for it, to, for it to work and do its thing, and I'd have to go over kind of multiple times. And as I was doing that, I was remembering how I cleared the leaves uh, in the fall, in, in October, the last time I had cleared the leaves. Well, my neighbor let me borrow his leaf blower, and that one was not electric. It didn't plug into a wall. It was gas-powered. Have you used one of these things before? You put the backpack on, and it's got gas, and you can pull the trigger, and it, like, it will blow your hair off if you let it. It's amazing. And so this whole time yesterday, as I'm sitting there with this, this electric leaf blower, trying to go over and over and over again, trying to get these things out of my driveway, I realized I was sad. I was missing the true power that I had experienced. Because once you've experienced true power, it's hard to go back to anything less. And that's what we're going to be reading about and preaching about from this morning from, from the book of Acts. Uh, we see an example of the, it's Pentecost. What, a, what an awesome, is this not an amazing Sunday? 
I'm so glad that you are all here. It's so good to be in God's house together. It's so good to be gathered online. Um, what, a, what a joy to gather and to worship. We wouldn't be here without Pentecost. And I think that's easy to forget sometimes. I think when we think about the church holidays and, and the way that we celebrate kind of the, the rhythm of the, of the church year, um, Pentecost is one that when we can match it with confirmation like we did today, it's just amazing. And it kind of, it kind of pops, right? Um, but you have to realize that we wouldn't be here without Pentecost. I think Easter gets, uh, gets high praise, right? Christmas, awesome, like so much fun. Those are the things that people think about when they think about the life and mission of the church. But the reality is we wouldn't be here without Pentecost, the birthday of the church. So happy birthday, church. Uh, it is good to be gathered on this day. And so we read in the Pentecost story, as, as Nate read for us, that there, were, uh, that there was power. And, and we talked last week about how Jesus had told the disciples to just hang on, just wait in Jerusalem for the gift that my Father has promised you. And so we were left last week kind of hanging on the edge of our seats, right? And what a great way to imagine our life together as Christians. On the edge of our seats, waiting to see what the Spirit of God is going to do in our midst and how we can join it. That is a posture that we all can adopt. That's a posture that we all continue to grow into and live into, waiting in expectant hope for how God is moving and acting in our midst. And so that's where the disciples were. They were waiting. They were all gathered together. They had come together for Pentecost. It was a celebration. It was a festival um, that had to do with the first fruits uh, of the harvest coming due and, and being able to celebrate that and give God thanks for all of God's provision. So they were all gathered together. They were all waiting for this gift of the Holy Spirit, waiting to see how God was going to move and act in their midst. And how does God show up? With a rushing wind and with tongues of fire that came down and, and with people being able to understand one another, even though they weren't, even though they didn't understand one another's language, they were able to in that moment to hear clearly from God and experience God's presence and the church was born. And we read about how from that experience, Peter explains what is going on. Now, do you remember where Peter was kind of before this whole story? Peter is always the guy who's just like all in, right? He's like, I think I see Jesus on the water. I'm jumping in. Like he's, he's gone. I can walk on water. Jesus is doing it. I can do it too. Um, Peter is the guy who just goes all in. And yet, when we read the gospel account of Jesus's trial and, and crucifixion, do you remember what happened with Peter? He was so afraid to admit that he knew who Jesus was that he denied it three times. And Jesus had told him that he was going to do that. But Peter was like, no, Lord, I will go with you to death. And Jesus said, well, maybe. But before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And so that's where Peter was before and in the midst of Jesus's most desperate hour. Peter was afraid to admit that he knew who Jesus was because what might happen to him? And so that's where Peter is, right? And then, and then Jesus, of course, is crucified, dead, and buried, and he rose again on the third day. Peter was one of the first. The women were the first to the tomb and proclaimed that they had seen the risen Lord. Peter came shortly after. He saw Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He, he, he experienced Jesus' life and ministry for another 40 to 50 days, actually leading up to this day, Pentecost. And Peter had a chance to, to, to walk with Jesus. And so uh, in the midst of that, Jesus 
took Peter aside and, and, and assured him, hey, <laughs> do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And he said, then feed my sheep. And so Peter, in, in that way, was recommissioned to do God's work, even though he had denied knowing Jesus, walked away, had hidden from, uh, from any confrontation, was, was afraid to, to, um, to be associated with Jesus. Jesus reinstated him. But that still wasn't enough to get Peter back to where he used to be, jumping into the boat, jumping out of the boat into the water, uh, being willing to follow wherever God led. What that took was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter receives that gift, and he sees that the tongues of flame come down, and he, and he sees what's going on around him. He says, wait a second, I know exactly what's happening here. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy that we read about in the book of Joel. And so he goes on to explain. He stands up in the middle of everybody. This guy who had hidden, who had run away, who had said, I don't, uh, no, I don't know Jesus. This guy stood up and said, yes, let me tell you about this Jesus whom you crucified. By the way, he goes on and he preaches a sermon. And I'm going to let, we heard a sermon from Will. We're going to hear a sermon from Peter this morning as well. I invite you to hear these words um, from Acts chapter 2. It's just after where Nate left off reading. They won't be on the screen, but I invite you to hear them as I read them. This is verse uh, 22. Peter stands up among everyone and says this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate, deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then he goes on to talk about how, uh, how David had foretold this Messiah who would come and, and be able to be victorious even over death. And he continues in verse 29. says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to that. We are all witnesses to that. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received the Father, the, the, from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Peter is explaining exactly what is going on to their midst. He's proclaiming the risen Lord in their midst and saying, hey, this, these, these folks aren't drunk. They're, they're just... They're in the spirit of the Lord. They have received the gift that God promised he would send. You see, he concludes in verse 36. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Friends, this too is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. So Peter, the guy who, who had run and hid, who had denied knowing Jesus, stands up in the crowd and says, hey, I got to tell you what's happening because I've received a word from the Spirit and this Spirit is available to you too. And friends, that is the message for us today. The Spirit, the Spirit that, that, that cut to the heart of those people who heard that message of who Jesus was and who Jesus is for us, eternal life, salvation, Joy, grace, forgiveness, love, all of those things that we are invited to be a part of because of the power of the Spirit. That, sp- that same Spirit is available to us. That same Spirit that, that converted those 3,000 people to change their lives and live for Jesus. That same Spirit, that is the, the, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. We are the temple. And the power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. The power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. The Spirit is not confined to a temple. The Spirit lives in us. And we are God's temple. And I wonder, friends, how have you experienced that Holy Spirit power in your lives? Confirmance. Have you felt it? Have you felt the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you felt what it feels like to to hear a word from God, to to be assured that God is with you, to know that God is leading for you, to to, to know that God is, is asking for you to just join what God is up to in the world, to know that you have been given gifts by God, to proclaim just like Peter did, that Christ is risen, that Christ is Lord, that Christ invites us to a kingdom of love and, and, and welcome and redemption and reconciliation and, and, and all things good. I suspect that you have felt that to some degree, and that's why you're here today. And that's why you are making this profession of faith to say, yes, I want to be a part of that kingdom. I want to proclaim, as Peter did, that Jesus is Lord and Messiah. The rest of us, have you felt, have you experienced that power? Have you felt the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? And if so, how long has it been since that happened for you? I wonder if in the midst of this time of of pandemic and transition, if you have felt the stirring of God's Spirit. Because I know that it has been felt in this building. It has been felt in this community. We have experienced a a renewal, an awakening of God's spirit within us. God's spirit never fell asleep, but we did, right? And so now we have an opportunity. As Will said uh, so beautifully, faith is a living thing. And each time I've gotten further away from what's comfortable, my faith blossoms. Anybody been uncomfortable in the last year at all, (laughs) right? That is an opportunity for the Spirit to take root in our lives and to, to, to help lead us to a new thing that God is growing in our midst. And it might be uncomfortable. It might be different. But it is empowered by the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's the power that we have available to us. And so I'm, I wonder what God might be inviting you to grow in this morning, how God might be inviting you to become 
a little bit uncomfortable, to, to move outside of what's familiar and what you know in order to experience how God is moving and active and, and alive and how the Spirit is falling on us even now. I wonder how God might be inviting you to experience true power. Not the kind that's, that's tethered to a cord and, and plugged into a wall, but, but the kind that's like a thousand hurricanes blowing your hair back. That kind of power. Because that's what God promises is available to us. If only we will listen and obey. The power to proclaim good news and to invite others to do the same. The power to be transformed and live lives differently because of Jesus and how Jesus is active in our lives. I I can tell you I've experienced that power these last several months. I have seen it, I've seen it arise in, in people that are, are leaders within the church and, and folks who attend church and folks who are attending online. I've seen it, I've heard stories of God's movement in our midst. I have experienced it, and I, I'll tell you personally, I've, I was sitting right next to where Patty is sitting, right where I sit all the time as we were praying together. One day, uh, as a staff, we were praying about revival and about the way, and God works through little ones too. They have the best voices to proclaim God's praise. God bless you for that. But we were sitting here and we were praying about revival as Vern invited us to over Psalm 85, verse 6. Lord, will you not revive our hearts so that we can praise you again? We were sitting here praying and, and, and I, I heard from the Spirit. And it wasn't an audible way, but it was in a way that I knew deep in my soul that God was speaking. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Have you ever felt like God said something to you and you just knew it like deep in your heart? What God said to me was, this is not all for nothing. This is not all for now. All of this stuff that we have been through in this last year and a half, all of the ways that we have struggled and wondered, where is God in the midst of this? All the questions that we have asked about, how come we can't go to church like we used to? And what, how come we can't uh, go to work? And how, what about school? And what about life? And how am I going to make money and pay them? All that stuff. All of that stuff, God said, I felt God saying, this is not for nothing. And I am here in the midst of this struggle. God is here with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead that's in our hearts. And God's inviting us to be a part of the next chapter of growth. God's inviting us to step out of our comfort zones and say, yes, Lord, use me however you will in order that your kingdom might come more fully on earth as it is in heaven. And I'll tell you, friends, that is a dangerous prayer. Don't pray that one unless you mean it. Because you don't know how God's going to respond. The Spirit comes and goes like the wind. We don't know how or where it goes. But we know that God is living and moving and active just like God was over the waters of creation, just like God was over the waters of baptism that we experienced in the river last week and we will again here this morning. Uh, That same Spirit is moving and living and active in our midst and inviting us to be a part of revival, inviting us to be a part of the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so... I just want to commend that word to you this morning from Peter, from Will, from, uh, from the Spirit of God, that God is moving and active and with us by the power of the Holy Spirit doing new things in our midst. And I just commend you again to pray Psalm 85, 6 over these next couple of weeks leading up to June 9th through 11th. And here's the thing, June 9th through 11th, and we're going to preach more about this next week and the week after. This is something that we are preparing our hearts for, but it is not the end. 
This revival that we're planning, this is, this is preparing a space for our hearts to be open to what God might be doing in our midst and saying, yes, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, come. Tell us how to move, where to go, what to do. And I, we, we honestly, we believe that God is calling us to that space, to, to open our hearts, to listen, and to respond. And so I invite you to join us in that work in saying, come, Holy Spirit. Will you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. One more time. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.